All right, Boker Tov, we are in the book of Melachim Aleph. We are in, sorry, we are in chapter, chapter 20. 20. Yeah, we are in chapter 20. And 20 is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a deviation from the storyline that we had been in the middle of. It's a, it's a slight digression from the story of Eliyahu Navi and the story of Elisha, right? In the previous chapter, Eliyahu Navi. He has his uh, moment of revelation, as we've discussed, and then uh, he is told to go anoint Elisha as the next Navi in his place. And there are a couple of other things that he's supposed to do as well. What are the other things? He's supposed to put Chazael as king over Aram, right? Yes. And he was supposed to put Yehu, uh, Yehu right? Israel. Right. Yeah, and Yehu ben Nimshi as, as the king over Israel. Okay, so he's, he's basically, it seems like you could almost interpret it like Eliyahu is getting uh, maybe um, uh, released or, or um, what's the word for it, fired from his position as Navi, and now Elisha is taking over. Now, we pause that story to interrupt with a story of a battle that happens between Ben Hadad, the king of Aram, who, as we know, will. Uh, as we know, is not destined to remain king because Eliyahu is supposed to put um, uh, Chazael as king, okay? And so Ben Hadad comes and he wants to do battle with Achav, king of Israel. Now, if you remember, the, of course, the backstory we said is that Achav was just fresh off of his, his, uh, his, his interaction with Eliyahu. And whenever Achav comes home excited from Eliyahu's performance at Hara Carmel, Izebel is the one who pours the cold water over the whole situation. And Izebel threatens Eliyahu and says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. Uh, so don't think you got anywhere with my husband. I'm in control. So Izebel is kind of like calling the shots. And we don't really know if Achav deep down maybe doesn't like what Izebel is doing or Achav maybe deep down is a little bit better than Izebel is. I think that's definitely the case. But here, according to Alex Israel, this chapter may represent a story of God reaching out to Achav himself and God trying to show Achav that if he's just a little bit good, he could, you know, he will have God's assistance. So the way the story begins is that this king Ben Hadad uh, comes to Achav and he says, I want your wives and your gold and your children and everything. And then... Achav, understanding him to mean I want taxes on your gold and your you know, labor and this and that. Achav says, sure, I can give you taxes. And then, and then Ben Hadad says, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant I want to send my messengers into your homes and collect every fine item we could find. And we want to just take it from you. We want to own you. And to that, Achav says, it's not going to happen. He gathers a zikinim, which we said is a good thing. And the zikinim said, no, we cannot do this. Don't give in. So they basically say to the messengers of Ben Haddad, that's not going to happen. And then Ben Haddad says, okay, so we're going to kill you. Uh, you're, you're, I'm going to bring so many people that you're not even going to have enough dust in Shomeron to, fill, to cover the feet of the people that I'm bringing. And then we left off with the very interesting line of Achav when he says, you sh- the one who is girding his armory should not be as excited or as uh, proud as the one who is taking it off. Meaning, don't celebrate before you've actually won. Let's see who actually wins this battle. And now Achav, it seems like he's going to have a showdown with this King Ben Hadad from Aram. Okay? 
And obviously this is not uh, This is going to be very scary A very very scary situation Because Achav is going to be outmatched Obviously Achav is separate from Yehuda So it doesn't seem like Yehuda is there to help Okay so it's only half of Israel It's the northern half of Israel Against this king from Aram Okay which is in the north Pasuk Yud Bet and it was when Ben Hadad heard this matter, he was drinking. He's constantly drinking, this guy, Ben Hadad. He's always drinking. He reminds me of uh, Elah, who is the, the guy who's the son of one of the kings of Israel, who was also drinking and he was killed while, when he was drinking. Right? It seems like kings. The, there's like this uh, archetype of kings That drink a lot As being a little bit erratic And making foolish de- decisions Or maybe it's, it's Maybe it's, a, it's symbolic of the king As they get too um, Involved in the excesses of luxury yeah. How we typically see that That's the point of their downfall Okay, So Ben Adad is drinking And he's in Sukkot Which is probably near Somewhere near uh, um, Shomron which is where they're going to. So go and lay siege, and they lay siege, lay siege to the city. And one prophet, doesn't say his name, comes to Achav, king of Israel. So says Hashem, Have you seen this great mass that Aram has brought to your doorstep? I'm going to give it into your hand today And you will know that I am Hashem Okay, so Achav, don't worry As much as you think that you're outnumbered You are going to win this battle against Ben Hadad So Achav says, who are going to be my soldiers? How am I going to win? So the Navi answered, this is what Hashem said He says, with the Something like the, the princes of the, the young princes of the cities. Something like that. It, it, it's not clear if you look in Radak, he discusses what it could be in reference to. It seems like it's the king's like personal guard. It was like a very small army of his personal guard that would protect them against coups or things like that. Um, that was separate from the general army of the people. Okay? So... Just with the, the princes of the cities that are, let's say, your personal guard, that's how you're going to win this battle. Which means you're not going to win this battle by matching this, the force of Aram. You're not going to win it by, uh, by presenting, uh, with, by matching, you know, tit for tat the, the power of Aram. It's going to be with a small for, force of your personal guard. And then he asks, Who's going to begin the war? Who's going to start the war? Who's going to be the first one to start the fight? And he says, you. And I think he means your side. Okay? So it's a very interesting thing. What does it mean, mi esor hamil chama? Who will start the fight? What does this word yesor mean? So, yesor typically means to like, prepare your chariot. Yesor et rikhbo. And he prepared his chariot. Hu inyanti kusarechev. It's to like, it's to... Um, Dress up your horse with the armaments and stuff like that. That's called Vayesor. The first one in war is called the one who is Oser. He is the one who begins. This is all I'm reading in the Radak. And why did Achav ask 
who is going to be the one to start the war. And why would he ask if he's the king? Of course he's the one who's going to start the war. And he asked because he was, an, oh, he was a one who served Abu Dazarah. And he's expecting a miracle to happen from Hashem. So so Ahab thought that maybe God won't do the miracle for me if I'm here. And he says, who is going to start the war? And he says, you. Which means, if Radak's interpretation is correct, then you see a little bit of like contrition on part of Ahab, where he's not so confident he even deserves the salvation. And then the Navi is encouraging him and he's saying, you may actually deserve this uh, success. You know, all you have to do is have faith in Hashem and know that Hashem is the one who's going to win this war for you. Which means, again, I, I like Alex Israel's understanding of this. It's yeah, like, it you see that God is in a way, you know, there, there is definitely a, more of a, a friendly attitude towards Ahab relative to Izebel. Izebel is pure rotten from core. She has no good in her. Ahab is the king of Israel. He's highly influenced by his wife, but he's also a little bit inspired by Eliyahu. There's a way to reach him. There's a way for God to, to mean something to him. So uh, he counted the people that were his personal guard and it was, um, it was uh, 232. Yes. 232. And then he counted the rest of the children of Israel were 7,000. And they went out in the afternoon. And once again, is drinking, drunk in Sukkot. He and the 32 tribal kings that were with them, they're all drinking and getting drunk in Sukkot. Then his personal guard people, they went out first. And then Ben Adad sends scouts to see what's going on. And they say, oh, people have left Shomron. Now, if you're laying a siege to Shomron and you see people are like sneaking out, what do you think is going on? If you're a confident, cocky king who... They're fleeing. They're fleeing. He thinks they're fleeing and they're waving the white flag and they're just trying to get out of the city so they, they don't get killed. Pasuk Yudchet Vayomer. Im leshalom yatsaot ifsum chayim. He says, if they're coming out in peace, then get them alive. And if they come out to war, get them alive. Same thing, he just to, in a poetic way, he flipped the language. He's saying, There's not, these people have no shot. Well, even if they want to come out to do battle, you don't even have to bother killing them. Just bring them alive. They have no, they're, they're too weak. And if they come out in peace, bring them alive too. Now, to bring someone alive means you really have to be much stronger. Meaning, it's much easier to kill someone than to, than to capture them and yes. bring them alive. So his, his request to bring them alive is a very uh, arrogant request where he thinks that he's so much more powerful that, that they have no shot. And these left the city, the young um, ministers of uh, his, whatever, his, uh, his tribal guard is talking about those Sarea Medinot. Officers of the provinces. Yeah, his officers of the provinces, they left the city. And all of the um, soldiers that were after them, by Aku Ish Isho, and they each struck down any Aramean who was opposite them. By Anu Suaram, and the Arameans all fled. By Yerdefem Israel, and the Israelites chased them. By Malet Ben Adad Melech Alam, Asusu Farashim. 
And the king Ben Adad, king of Aram, also escaped on his horse alongside the other chariots. So uh, there's a little bit missing from the war. Like how did the 7,000 people, how did, okay, so they killed, each one killed the person opposite him. How did the tons and tons of people that Aram brought, how did they all of a sudden start to flee? It seems like they got into a little bit of a panic when they saw the first few die. They thought, ooh, Israel may have something up their sleeve. That they're, they're confidently coming out and fighting so much, so let's let's run away. We we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, and, and this and that. So Ben Adad ends up running away, and his army flees from Israel. The king of Israel went out and he struck down the horse and the chariots, and he he dealt a big blow to Aram. And the Navi comes back to Achav and he says to him. Go and remain strong. Remain militarily prepared. And know what you're about to do. For at the end of this year, the king of Aram is going to come back and try a second time. Okay, so we're going to pause there. Uh, after they rout the king of Aram and his people, the Navi comes back to the unnamed Navi that we originally told Achav he's going to win, comes back to Achav and tells him, Go and be prepared because at the end of the year we're going to have battle number two with these people again. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.